Hey, what's up out there? This is Japan Nick of Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. It's 7.15, and I have New Jersey Xenophile on my show as guests tonight. Now, can you please introduce yourselves and say what position you play? Uh, I'm Liart. I play guitar. Shoot down the list. I'm Anthony, a bass player. I'm Ron Iglesias. I'm the other lead guitar player. My name is Matt. I play the drums. And I'm Macarena. I'm the man. I'm the manager. <laughs> I see. Now, how long have you been around for, and who are the most senior members of the band? Uh, well, Ron and I have been around the longest. We've been playing together since 2010. Um, but with this lineup, we've been playing together for a little over a year. We started gigging last July, so been doing it pretty regularly ever since. I see. Now, can you play or please share with me some of your current influences that dictate how your live as well as studio sound turns out these days? Well, um, <laughs> these days we have a pretty wide array of uh, influences. I mean, pretty standard metal. I mean, a lot of, lot of older bands, like 80s, 80s metal bands, like thrash bands. Um, and also a huge love for Prague. I mean, I think all of us, we got our own, like, certain bands that we really like. You know, Rush is definitely up there. You know, a couple of guys really love Dream Theater, stuff like that. As far as the thrash goes, you know, again, yeah. pretty standard, like, Exodus, like, Creator. Yeah, everyone's, the cool thing is everyone's got their own taste in the band, and like when, especially now when we write, we're all going to try and bring all those different inf influences together. Yeah, uh, hopefully I could try to bring a little bit of, you know, jazz fusion that too. into the band. <laughs> Sorry about that. Continue on with that. Yes, sir. <laughs> How long have you um, had an attraction towards jazz and jazz fusion? Probably beginning of high school, for sure. Started getting into it, listening a lot, and just trying to play and absorb myself with it as much as possible. Tell me, like, what do you think the attraction is with heavy metal musicians and jazz? The, uh, the amount of possibilities that you could use when creating progressions. You could play stuff that's really out there and uh, complex. The, the lines that you would use to play it, like on a guitar... You know, a lot of guitar players are into jazz fusion mainly because of that. Yeah, the musicianship is like I think the biggest thing for like metal metalheads. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much musicians' music, if you, to put it that way. Like uh, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of guitar players who like influenced, I'd say like me and Liard too. Like even in, in Testament, for for example, Alex Alex Skolnick always cited a lot of jazz guys like yeah. fusion as a big influence on him. So. Yeah. You know, e even whether we know it or not, like a lot of '70s fusion guys, like Aldi Mayola. Yeah, Aldi Mayola is a huge excellent guy, me. shredding like influencing that. So, you know, there yeah. you go. How about uh, Chris Caffrey from TSO and Sabotage? Oh yeah, he's awesome. He's one of my favorites. I I still need to listen to more Sabotage, <laughs> but Gutter Ballet is an awesome album. Yeah, I actually had the uh, privilege to meet him once uh, in uh, New York State. A friend of mine actually takes guitar lessons with him. And uh, he was going on about how uh, just Alex Skolnick, who sometimes contributes to TSO, yep. mm -hmm. he was really going on about uh, his jazz stuff. Alex Skolnick, yeah, I know he's got a he's got a trio. Yeah, yeah. Alex Skolnick. Uh, 
does uh, he takes rock songs and you know arranges it in a jazz manner. Yeah. And he has that jazz sound, you know, acoustic sound. Like for instance, he played um, Tom Sawyer by Rush. Yeah. In a jazz nice. way, and, and it was just awesome. He also did Fade to Black. That was cool. Yeah. That was awesome. Okay, now. I say, why don't we play a song of yours so people can understand what music, <laughs> like, what your style is, honestly. Yeah, oh, let, it, let it speak good. for itself. <laughs> so what would you say, uh, would Scorching the Skies be the best song to uh, introduce you guys? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Good, good introduction. It's pretty straightforward. A lot of people like that like that tune, especially in the set, so okay, I approve. <laughs> yeah, go for it.
and we're back on the air. Now, tell me, guys, what did you really want to do with that song? <laughs> All right. Um, no pressure. You wrote the lyrics to that. You wrote about dragons or whatever. Well, I, there you go. <laughs> uh, I guess just to have a really awesome, straightforward, like, just thrash metal song. And uh, lyrically, uh, I just had this cool story in my head about a guy that turns into a dragon and kills everyone. So that's what I wrote the lyrics about. Now, did the people that were getting killed by the dragon have it coming? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, they deserved every... Yeah, the lyrics say they <laughs> cast him out and then Vengeance, right? he turns yeah. into a dragon. Yeah, one way or another, he turns into a dragon and then, you know, takes it out on them. One way or another. <laughs> now, find you. would you say that song, like the lyrics are typical of most of your other songs? Do you sing about like a lot of D&D type stuff with like, dragons dungeons yada yada uh, or is that just a special song not really it's more of like just my personal taste uh on the whole album lyrically it's pretty varied everyone because the way we write lyrics is everyone just contributes whoever has the idea uh tells the rest of the band about it and we all just work on it together so yep. it's a pretty involved songwriting process between all of us now does your how much lyrics does your did your singer contribute to this album Actually, you want to take this? Go on this one song uh, called Beyond Boundaries, we basically presented it to him uh, completely instrumental. And he just worked with it. Everything just clicked. He wrote all the lyrics and the vocal melodies in one night. Yeah. And uh, that was actually pretty incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, he... he uh, all the like he messed with the melodies and stuff mm. when he came into the band, uh, but that song is pretty much his yeah. vocally. He vocally. that was like his thing. <laughs> vocally, that is his baby, and he really did a phenomenal job. Like his his sense of of that of melody, <clears throat> and and rhythm that he just had. I, I don't know where he gets it from. He's it's too bad he can't be here tonight. I mean, he's he was working. He got caught in work, but yeah, well, it is uh. I just want to also say that that's Scorching the Skies, it's a rough mix, too. So, you know, for any listeners out there who might have picked up on little edits, it's all going to be tweaked in the studio. So. Now, when do you expect to have the finished product in your hands? Hopefully by November, November sometime in November. Mid-November? Early November? Late November? When? Maybe, uh, maybe towards mid-November. Mid-November, mid most likely. Okay. Now, I guess... Tell me about the rest of the songs on the album. Like, would you say the song we just played, was that more of, like, a more extreme type song on the album, or was that um, a lighter song on the album? It's definitely up there with one of our more up-tempo songs, definitely. Yeah, definitely more on the aggressive side. And as far as heaviness, too, because we played Drop D, uh, most of the other songs are all, like, standard tuning, so... I mean, um, in terms of how it relates to every other song, I mean, every other song is kind of varied. If you were to listen to their 10 tracks on the album, uh, what we really kind of strive for when we're writing is that none of the songs really sound the same, that y you don't get bored while you listen to the album. We hope. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. You never want to repeat yourself, Not especially on the same album. <laughs> crazy metal purists out there might not agree, but whatever. <laughs> On this album, you got t 
titles like Scorching the Skies, Forgotten Holocaust, Absolution, Faceless, Destiny. What do you think people are going to think when they see these songs listed on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter? Hmm. Uh, Probably not knowing really what to expect. <laughs> yeah. we'll definitely be curious. Yeah. Hopefully it sparks interest more than anything else. <laughs> At least they want to know what this Forgotten Holocaust is regarding. <laughs> yeah, what is it regarding? Oh, um, well, that, that one specifically is interesting, especially as a contrast to, like, you just mentioned, like, D&D kind of theme thing or fantasy. That one's actually written about, um, it was the Spanish conquest of the New World <laughs> and pretty much the... A forgotten Holocaust, the, the the Native American genocide, and you know, it's kind of like a forgotten Holocaust because, in terms of other, like, human rights disasters or tragedies like that, you don't really hear it in the forefront as much as, you know, other ones. Is it pretty much about the same topic as the Trail of Tears song from Testament? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> or are we thinking about two different things? Uh, same I, ballpark. Yeah, it's 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 the same range, but I mean, this this is a little more I think visceral visceral in terms of the uh, the the imagery that the lyrics kind of invoke. It's just kind of more more blunt, like a lot of the um, a lot of the lines in the song. So now, why don't we play that song now? Forgotten Holocaust.
Forgotten Holocaust. <laughs> Tune is uh, fairly complicated. <laughs> Don't uh, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony wrote the whole thing by himself <laughs> in a room, locked himself away. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, time signatures 15-8 in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it just goes into common time, you know, 4-4. Four, four. And uh, the song takes takes us through various keys, and the progressions are, like, just all over the place. Nice. And, uh, yeah. That's definitely a better example of, like, you want to talk about a more progressive tendencies is going to be... Yeah. Forgotten Holocaust because we really tried, strived to like do as much as we could with that song. Like you said, the different keys that we would transition through and time signatures and just complexity of the riffs. It's, that's that's the song <laughs> to best represent that side. Yeah. Technical thrash. Yeah. <laughs> I see now. While we were um, listening to your song, um, we had a pretty interesting conversation about like recording techniques and. Um, what you lose when you go from digital to like walking away from like real to real. Um, can you explain about like, let's say you had more money to deal with production wise on uh, being able to actually use like a real to real tape to record your album? You want to take it? Um, <laughs> or should I say I mean, yeah, I mean, I would love to just because like. Like you said, like while we were talking, all basically almost all of my favorite albums were recorded on tape, so it's like a way more organic sound. Um, like yeah, if we had the extra money, I would totally redo this album on tape, like in a heartbeat, because it would just sound awesome, and I would love to just sit back and like just buy a vinyl player and play it on that. <laughs> yeah. Cause well, yeah, we were talking about two creator creators, an example of you know a band that's been around forever and back back in the 80s doing um doing analog was the thing and then the digital age came in they went back to analog on hordes of chaos and like i think phantom antichrist too yeah and it's just you you really do hear how much more like organic the sound is yeah. like compared to how how processed they can get yeah you know with with digital recording so yeah. i mean i mean the digital software is awesome it definitely has like lots of like tons of uh like, there are pros and cons to it, because um, there's a lot you can do with digital stuff, but analog is true metal. <laughs> what do you feel like you can do digital with metal that you can't do analog? Is there anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, now there's now there's programs where you can pretty much just run a studio out of your, out of your room and yeah. just record all the instruments yourself and sample things where you can make a million mistakes, and then, you know, it can just be tweaked and edited a little yeah. bit and it's i mean it's also it's a lot less tedious if you want to experiment with like different sounds and stuff uh like in the studio we we ran through this uh module called like axe effects so just the 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 tones you can get out of that is like basically you have guitar center in your computer so you could just sit there i wanted to sit there for hours and just experiment yeah. with all that stuff so that's one thing you can't get with analog because then you'd have to do everything yourself, find an amp, get the tones. But with the digital stuff, it's just it's way easier to just sit at home and experiment with different sounds. Now, tell me about where you went to record your album, Systematic uh, Enslavement. <laughs> uh, we went to a studio in Weehawken called Tartarus, Tartarus Studios. Tartarus uh, formerly, I don't remember the other name, but... Uh, Tartar Studios. Um, our producer, Mikhail 
Yeah, like, Mikhail Marinus. Mar- Marinus, I don't yeah. remember the last name. Whoops. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he, he got a, a gig working at this guy's studio, and then uh, when we wanted to record the album, we, we hit him up and uh, kind of struck a deal, and that's where we recorded. I mean, uh, initially we were supposed to record the album in a week, and then... Things just went horribly wrong from there, <laughs> and it took basically till the end of September to record the whole album. So, about what was supposed to be a one-week session ended up being three weeks, four weeks. What was it? Uh, like close to four months. Well, no. If you, it oh, yeah. It if you add up every, the days, we it's weren't not. there every day. I yeah, think. yeah. But if you add up all the days that we were actually in the studio and just doing any recording, you know, probably probably about a month worth of yeah, definitely. Of wow, and yeah. in the in the studio, so. Yeah. It, it dragged on much longer than, than expected. I mean, I took six days alone just to track the drums. So <laughs> yeah. The first yeah. day we couldn't even do anything because, like, something was up with the computer. So, like, we got – Matt picked his drums out and got everything tuned up, and we were super psyched to start. And then, bam, the computers don't work. <laughs> so Ooh. we were just sitting there. Yeah, but then I screwed it up for everyone by taking forever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The rest of us took forever too. Um, drums are not an easy thing. I think we we overestimated what was possible in a week's time. Everybody did the producer, the you know the owner of the studio. But you know, um, it was a yeah. great experience, a learning experience. It's our first recording, yeah. now, first album. So, you know. did you go into that session with like a hundred a hundred percent already written compositions, or did you expect like, oh, you know, we'll just finish this up in the studio? Um. Yeah, I'd say like 95%. Like everything was pretty much finished when we got in the studio, but then, you know, things happen and for some reason, like things aren't sounding right. So some parts were tweaked in here and there in the studio. Um, yeah. Yeah, but mo- most, like, most of the album was written when we went in. Yeah, uh, when we would play live, I would mostly improvise my bass lines, and you know, as I headed into the studio, I would have to ask the guys like, if they agreed. With what I'm playing, <laughs> of course we would. Yeah, because you know I want it to be you know, perfect. He, he was he was the best one. He got his stuff done in like in a day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he had like the easiest time recording. Me and Ron were like staying up till like seven in the morning and having crazy. a show the next morning too. Yeah. How, how did you get through your parts in one day and everybody else was lagging behind? T- tell me, what was your secret? He's, he's the best he's, musician. Yeah, he's a lot better than the rest well, of us. I mean, uh, it was kind of easy for me because that most of the scratch ha- scratch tracks were uh, already uh, finished, so I was pretty much jamming with the the song. And uh, I also had some experience, you know, just practicing at home with a you know, little home studio on my computer, just recording stuff and playing along with it, and uh, playing along with my some of my dad's recordings that he would do for fun, and just trying to keep time and listening hard to what's going on in the music. Most professional one out of all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Came in, finished, left. <laughs> now, um, this is a question for your manager. Like, what part did you have in uh, the recording process? Did you ever, like, go in and be like, you know, you need to do this, or, whoa, you should slow down on that? Um, um, as far as the music, I don't really interfere with... Um, I think they have complete creative control. Mm-hmm. I'm more just keep them organized. I make sure that everything stays on top, like... Despite the fact that they were in the studio, we still kept playing shows. Um, I don't really like to slow down in that sense. Like, I know some bands like to take time off to record and then do everything in um, kind of sections like that, but we don't do that. No, sir. <laughs> nope. She does 
keep us very well organized. We're we're absolutely yeah. just <laughs> all over the place. Can't multitask at all. Yeah, we worry about the music. She worries about everything else, like where we know. have to I, play. <laughs> I have no idea where we would be without her, honestly. At this point, how did you make uh, the connection? Manager. Yeah. <laughs> would you like to? Um, well, uh, at the time, I was dating um, Matt. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, the drummer. But, ah. Um, and I'd, he'd, he'd been in other bands before that I just never really cared for, but this band struck me in a way where I wanted to be involved and I wanted to do things. Because like, I saw I saw um, room for improvement as far as their organization goes. Oh, yeah. They needed someone. What needed to be improved? Like, what did you see that, like... Oh, you know, if I become their manager, I can change that and make it better. Here it comes. It was just, um, it was hard for them, I think, to focus on, like, performing and writing and then, but also trying to book as many, sh- like, having, it was too many jobs for, and I'd rather that they just focus on the music and and sounding as good as they can instead of booking and how how much things cost and all these different calculations. Too much. <laughs> yeah, everything costs All way we too much. Are good at, we're just good at music. <laughs> <laughs> Normal responsibilities. We're just uh, <laughs> complete children. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it. Now, if you guys were going to um, record your debut album again, what types of things would you do differently? Uh, definitely Probably. rehearse more. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of bands go in with some kind of pre-production, you know, like um, they'll have like scratch tracks already done going into the studio. So it's a much smoother process. We had to go in and record the scratch tracks there. So that was a little time consuming. So that's that's probably my biggest thing. That <laughs> How do you record a scratch track? Uh, you basically just set up, um, you create a, a tempo map. So you find the right tempo for all the songs. And then it's just one guitar recording the music for the drummer to follow along to while Wait, he's tracking. Wait, is that also called a ghost track? Uh, I guess. I'm not sure. I, I always refer to it as scratch track. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Nah, but anyways. Sure. <laughs> what was it like picking out the track listing for this album? That was a tough one. <laughs> Remember, there were days where we were just after practice, like going out to a diner or whatever, we would try to figure out what would be the best order to put these songs back to back because it is it is pretty varied stuff and it's like you just want to make it sound as, as consistent as possible so um i mean i are we i don't even know if we're entirely sure of the track listing now we're gonna eventually have to settle on something for yeah that. the decision will eventually be made <laughs> how finicky did you get with the intros and outros to songs uh, mr intro over here <laughs> I mean, it all just kind of depends on, I don't know, you, you have to talk about as a band what you all think would sound best as, like, if you're, like, you mean, do you mean in terms of writing a song or, like, the actual sonic? Well, I mean, sound? just, like, you've got, like, the entire bones and meat of the song, but yeah. then you say, oh, you know, I need to create this intro so yeah. that the song before it, it'll flow better, and also the outro so... Oh, yeah, the next like song will be able to flow. And you can actually have it be like, it's not just like, oh, you know, I like that song. Three <laughs> songs later, I like that song. Yeah. It's more like, that's an album. It's an yeah. experience listening to the album. Yeah. 
I yeah, that's definitely something we always talk about whenever we talk about the track listing. We're always thinking like in terms of like, okay, when this song ends, what would sound best immediately after it? And I think we have a good idea, but we're still kind of in the decision-making process of that. Yeah, I mean, we had we had a certain number of songs going into it that were just left over from about two years or so. And, yeah. Um, again, yeah, it's it's a matter of like, even in rehearsals, is playing playing the songs and set list. You start to see how they flow, you know, back to back, um, and that, that's going to be really really important. You know, you don't want to put all the songs that sound the same in one group on the album, and then so, and and again, it's tougher when you when you do write things that are like stylistically different from one another so you know we're still <laughs> trying to figure that out yeah on that note let's listen to another song of yours how about heretic sounds good oh, oh yeah. this is the seven string one. <laughs> oh yeah for a note that that song was uh recorded with an eight string so this eight one's string. in like low low b for all you nevermore fans very heavy only one on the album yep here we go Oh, 
some tasty heaviness there for you. And that was Heretic yes, sir. from Xenophile. Now tell me about your song Heretic. It's probably the most straightforward, thrashy kind of song we have. I know. Yeah, it, like it, to yeah, it is the most straightforward, uh, structurally speaking, like out of any of the songs on the album. Um, also, having the uniqueness uh, of being played on an eight string, which I don't know how frequently that's done anymore, like mm. as far as thrash or anything yeah. goes. All those high notes you hold were, or all those high notes you heard rather, were and, Ron and solos. Well, I'm just. <laughs> talk about that another time but yeah <laughs> play that we play that one that's definitely the heaviest song we got in in b standard tuning and uh another one a lot of people like so go on Anybody? uh actually that song was originally written on a six string and then ron was going crazy because he wanted to hear it like way heavier so then we just decided to pay for an extra oh, yeah, day of recording <laughs> <laughs> i mean the end result is awesome it does sound great so Thanks, Ron. That definitely paid off because it's a good transition from the standard tuning to the lower, more punchier sound that the H string gives off. Definitely. Uh, it's definitely a heavy song with a nice breakdown. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. What do you think would have ended up happening if you didn't buy that extra day to record? Uh, that You would have heard that song in normal six-string guitar tuning, and Ron wouldn't have been able to sleep at night. <laughs> for, for me, all right, making it about me right now. <laughs> for me perso- personally, I mean, I thought the one the one thing that was missing uh, from from what we had so far, we had this eight-string guitar at our disposal. You know, I, I wanted to make use of it, and we had a song that was in drop D. Everything else was standard. And, you know, I think the one thing that was missing that could make the album really appeal to everybody would be featuring like an eight string you know seven string eight string tuning like in b to add that really extra heaviness and you know a lot of a lot of bands today use seven eight strings now that type of tuning and a lot of people also like to down tune and hear like the real heavy stuff in, in this day and age yeah, like a lot of the gent stuff and the mashuga stuff i mean that song is obviously not gent but you know it's it's heavier it shows that we we did almost everything we could yeah, with what with what resources we had. Yeah, we tried to do everything we could on this album, on limited budget. So, <laughs> do you feel like with drop D tuning, you're getting into kind of like the '90s new metal type stuff, or do you feel like that's a bad overgeneralization? Um, me, well, I definitely wasn't shooting for new metal. <laughs> like scorching the skies was. Yeah, that song is in drop D, but. It's just, I thought it fit the song. I thought the riff sounded cooler in that tuning. So it's whatever fits the song, I think. Definitely not new metal. <laughs> okay. I hope not. <laughs> now, what is more important for you guys, the single or the album? Anybody? I'm going to say album for yep. me, personally. Matt, what do you think? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the album is what we were going for. That's why... We like we were discussing in between the songs and everything. We uh, like to forego the the demo releases, the EP releases that a lot of bands fall into that whole cycle. And we were just like, why not just cut to the chase, do do an album? You know, we all like to hear full albums. As yeah. a, and I don't know, even for me personally, like singles. There's I know there's a lot of people who just like songs. They'll just download one song by a band, but it's like in metal. 
it's really always about an album. You you hear that certain sound, there's a certain theme to it, and that's that's what we tried to go for with that. Definitely the album. Also, the uh, the album gives an opportunity for you know people, everybody, including the people that uh, normally come to our shows, gives them the opportunity to listen to the rest of the songs that we have written out that we don't normally play live, exactly. or never have played live. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Wait, what are some songs that you've written but you've never played them live or you never play them live anymore uh well it's actually heretic has been out of the live set for a while why well ever since we because uh the guitar we recorded it on is is just ron's guitar i still need to save up and buy seven strings so it's my fault that we haven't been playing it live (laughs) i apologize to everyone well i mean also the another reason was we were going through different singers too um singer before Roy uh, Derek Derek Schneider he um, he had learned most of the song we were working on it and then you know he left and then Roy came in we were trying to get Roy really familiar with the song but um, we just with everything with the recording going on and we were just so busy with what songs we already had in the set you know it kind of got we kind of got lost and a little away from that song but um, Heretic is one of them there's a uh, there's a few others um one song called suffer unto tyranny which is another yeah really fast straightforward song and another one called fate denied fate which denied. is another long intro kind yeah. of song <laughs> and even the one we were discussing earlier about roy like you know yeah, wrote the all one the melodies is, is such because it's actually a song that comes out to be like nine minutes long so that's a tough one for, for and you want to you want to talk about what's more important the single ironically I, I would think that one the that song that's nine minutes um what did we call it? Beyond Boundaries. Beyond Boundaries, I think. Um, that title's still up in the air, but yeah. that song, I think, could have been the single, just the way it was sounding, and he sang it with such emotion. It's just, it's nine minutes long, so yeah. <laughs> I was going to take it as a single. And how many takes did it take to get through that song? Uh, oh, well, vocally, that song took Roy four hours to record. Oh, so, man, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one, that, that song was tough just because... Um, uh, it's like the whole first part is we had to record with acoustic guitars and yeah those that's that's tough to record uh just because you have to set up the mics and it's like it's really kind of tedious and then we had to re overdub that with the clean electric guitars and then you had the whole distorted second half of the song so it just took forever yep well i mean to clarify like with roy you know he to, he was already, he had already been singing and recording all those other songs all day, so it was like his voice already was getting shot, and he was just putting so much time into this this one one song. It was just like he really he went, went all out. went through the pain, and I mean, you really <laughs> felt like you know the emotion. He did an amazing job in the end, but it's just that it's such a demanding song, like in every way, instrumentally, vocally speaking. There's so mu- so many parts, and it's a long song. Now, when you're recording something, do you feel like the first take? is the most important take of all because no matter what happens, you'll always go back to it. And, like, let's say whatever screw-ups or mistakes you may have in that first take, you'll end up almost putting into the way you record the song and play it live. Um, Somebody answer that, though. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the, f- the first take, if it's a good take, that's always going to be, like, your foundation, and you always have to, like, listen back and hear, like, oh, maybe it should be more like this or like that. But, yeah, I think the first take should be 
the foundation of like the your recording process <laughs> yeah usually when we go for the first take it's how we play it live and then we go back and listen and see if we can make some little upgrades and <laughs> the sound so it sounds like we did it in a studio like it was written out yeah it's actually a good point you know especially we're recording the way we did you know you want to you want to keep building off of that initial first take i mean you'd love to do it in a first take that's the idea yeah one and only that would, that would be, be amazing <laughs> you have a connection to that especially if you do a solo in a first take you're like woo yeah you feel on top of the world <laughs> but you know it's it's true like you want to build on top of that that first take you hear whatever little mistakes you know you can tweak and it, and oh my god i got to say like when we went out and played live after recording uh, doing all those takes over and over again, you, you felt like that was such crazy practice, you know, for, for, a, for a live show. Like, everything just fell into place so much better when you would go out and do live because you did those parts of those songs over and over and over again. And then you go out and play live singing, like, backup harmonies. It's just it all fell into place so naturally. You know, it's a great process. Were there any songs on the album that any of you guys were able to get through in one take? Nope, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think. I don't think so. Um, one take. I did a solo in one take. I think that's about it. <laughs> What's what song was that? Uh, it was actually in in Heretic, the one we just listened to. The 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 last solo I did. That one was yeah, in were, one take. You were somehow on top of your game that day. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but other than that, like tracking rhythms, that took forever. Everything took forever except Anthony's bass because he's the man. See. It's actually interesting because when you do when you do do your first couple takes, like you, you were asking, sometimes sometimes you're like, okay, cool, I, I did a good job with that. I'm gonna settle for that. And then as you keep going and doing more and more of the songs, you start to pick apart your own playing a little bit, like especially for solos. And you're like, oh, no, I can do this one better. I know I can do this like ten times better. So I mean, that's that's how the progression felt for me. I mean, like the solos I did, like near the last couple songs that we recorded. I prefer more than the the first couple solos because it's just like I had more ideas. You know, I'd been warmed up and playing for a while, and <laughs> I mean, I don't know. As a musician, you always kind of like never satisfied with what you do anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. But how do you draw the point to say that like I'm satisfied and I'm not going to be like Axl Rose and work on this for 13 years? <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to Axl Rose. <laughs> I think a lot of that has to do with having a second set of ears on that. I mean, our producer, Mikhail, is absolutely fantastic with it. And yeah. uh, there were a lot of parts where I was drumming. I was like, oh, man, that sounds good. And he's like, no, do it again. And then just <laughs> the exact opposite where I was not satisfied with it. He's like, I, I can work with that. And then in the end, I just trust his ear. I trust the ear of my bandmates. So, yeah, yeah really having just more ears on it. Because the more you hear same thing over and over again really kind of all starts to sound the same after a while yeah it drives you crazy you can't you can't yeah you can't tell anymore like if you're if you're screwing up or not you know you're just it, it does take its mental toll like if you're in the stu studio doing something for hours over and over again you don't even realize it unless you're like a listener yeah okay now let's see I noticed you've performed in places like the Blue Room, the Jersey Shore Music Festival, the Stone Pony, Mexicali Live, and more. Can you please discuss some of the memories of some of these concerts? <laughs> uh, well, most recently, and probably uh, the biggest memory we have to come, 
is uh, we just played the Stone Pony in Asbury Park. Uh, we opened up for a band called Judas Priestess, which is an all-female tribute band to Judas Priest. They were awesome. Yes. Um, none of us had any idea. John Petrucci's wife plays guitar in that band. From Dream Theater. Raina yes. Sands. Yeah, Raina Sands. Raina Sands. And, yeah, she's married to John Petrucci, and... I had no idea who was going to be there, and then I just looked behind me. He's setting up a tripod for a camera, yeah. for a camera and we jaw just drops. Yeah. I run to my car. <laughs> I get my Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence album <laughs> for him to sign. Yeah. I make a total fool out of myself asking what well, turns out to be his son <laughs> for a Sharpie so I can get an autograph from John Petrucci. And I just look like a total idiot in front of him. <laughs> yeah. But you got to, like, when you're going to get an autograph from somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was surreal because we were just there watching Judas Priestess, who did amazing, an amazing, they had an amazing oh, set. Yeah. Uh, and then we would look behind us and behind the soundboard, they're like, just, there he was, my guitar hero, like, for years, <laughs> in the flesh. So, like, we were all freaking out like crazy. It was really nice to meet John Petrucci, especially at one of our shows, because he got the chance to see us play. That, yeah. And uh, he was just—he was cool. He was very relaxed, yeah. chilled out. He signed my guitar. He put it. up with us. Yeah, <laughs> being just stupid, adoring, adoring fanboys, like hardcore. <laughs> what was the most important thing you remember that he said to you? Oh well. <laughs> Oh, that he wanted to smash my guitar. That's my most memorable thing. <laughs> and you didn't let him? Uh, I, I said I would have been cool with it, but he opted not to. He changed so his mind. He changed his mind. Oh, you should have done it for him. Be like, you know, I can see that you changed your mind, but I'm going to help you out. I'm going to do this for you. Yeah, I can you see you really wanted to do that. <laughs> the, the coolest thing, and I mean... It's not bragging or anything, but like when we we asked him, like, "Hey, man, did did you did you see his play?" You know, he's like, "Yeah, you guys can shred." And it's just like to hear that from John Petrucci. I mean, he might have just been, you know, he's being nice or whatever, but it was just like you're just so taken aback and like in shock. It's it's a surreal thing, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. So yeah, that. Any other interesting uh, concert memories? Hmm. Uh, Jersey Shore Music Fest. That was uh, that was a good show. That was fun. Just uh, we were really tight that day. The sound was really good, and uh, I didn't get any sleep before Neither that show, I. which was fun because we were in the <laughs> studio all night. Yep. So we tracked, and then like six in the morning rolled around, and then we just went, loaded up the gear, and headed down to South Jersey, and played the show. And I almost passed out afterwards. Yep. <laughs> felt disgusting and that's what it's all about yep and then we went to the beach even though you know Liart was passed out in my car yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that near AC yeah is no. It? No. Oh, no, oh, no no no, 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 no. Over there. it's like by uh, Point Pleasant yeah, yeah. it was mm. in Lakewood, Lakewood. Yeah. Lakewood oh I see that was that was a fun one because I think that was one of the few outdoors uh, festivals we've yeah. done if the if not the only I think <laughs> yeah and I mean there were Tons and tons of people who were just passing by got a chance to hear us, including uh, some of our friends in an amazing—I would guess you call them glam metal, sort of sort glam of rock, glam kind of rock thing. type of band called Sick Mind from yeah. South Jersey. I was just gonna say them. Yeah, yeah. Want to shout out those to are them. cool guys. D- Diego, you're the Diego, man. you're. How <laughs> far south are they? Uh, 
Brighton, I think Brighton Beach area. Some of them live some yeah, of them, by yeah. Brighton. Um, I think one of them is actually from Leonardo. Woo. Like clerks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Kevin Smith territory. Uh, now, yeah. You guys have business cards you give out at your shows. Can you explain what you hope to achieve with these as opposed to just saying to somebody, go like my Facebook page or check out my Twitter and YouTube pages? Mismanagement. Well, I mean, when you... Um, when all you're giving someone is just kind of like a verbal shout out of, check out check out the Facebook. It's and you just kind of say people can think, oh yeah, I'll check that out later. But with um, without like something physical and tangible like a business card, they probably won't do it or they'll just forget. And they, even if they wanted to, they could. But with the business card, it's just it makes it that much easier to just um, to publicize ourselves. Really, yeah, just because you can take them. We people take them are more everywhere. likely to get back to it. It's yeah. also it's the it's kind of inundating people with with the image too, you know, xenophile, the name, the name, like yeah. constantly. I yeah. mean, it, it's the not, logo's there. So we're not trying to like aggressively promote or market ourselves, but I mean, you know, it is it is a it is a method of doing things. You know, you want to get that name out there enough that people see it so much, and even if they're just like a, just a passing glance, it's like if they start seeing it more and more, it's like, all right, maybe I'll consider checking this out. <laughs> At least that. <laughs> so yeah. you gotta keep trying and. You know, the, the physical copy, I think, still is a relevant thing in today's day and age, no matter what. You know, everybody's always doing everything, promoting through the Internet. Everybody's like social media, social networking is an amazing thing for now. I, I think people get a little too lazy with that, too. Like, for a lot of shows, we still went out and made copies, like get staples of posters for shows. Old-fashioned way, yeah. risking uh, the, the cops. soliciting yeah. solicitation <laughs> fines yeah. and... You know, having people having to have people in the street being like, "Yeah, um, you can get fined for that." <laughs> How do you do that and get away with it without getting fined? Well, well we don't no incriminate idea. yourself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone want to take? That? Well, we had no idea it was illegal until someone told us. Yeah, so we, we were, were just no. We, we, we never were had around Jersey idea. City posting them. We yeah. we had we had a show. This is. About a year ago, a little more now, we were playing in Patterson. It was the festival there. It was the Great Falls. Yeah, Great, Great Falls, Falls festival. festival. And we were just going around, hanging up signs. We had no idea until some guy in a local business was just like, you know, they can give you a really steep fine for that. And it's like, oh, great. <laughs> so we just, he was like, you know, you just, just ask around businesses, you know, if you could post a flyer. And that's what we ended up doing, you know, from, from there on out. If it was more local shows, we would just walk into a business and be like, hey, we got a music event coming up. Can we hang up this flyer? And. That's what we would do. Yeah, business owners are actually pretty friendly about that. Yeah. Most of them will say yes if you say it's a local thing, or especially if you got a charity show coming up, they yeah. eat that right up. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said. <laughs> Any other to-do things to say to uh, local business owners on how to win them over? Any particular special words or phrases? Just be as humble as possible. Just And, you know, you don't have to be specific. You can keep it vague, and you don't want to yeah. say, like, we have a heavy metal concert coming. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, like, because... Or if you have, like, an incredibly gory, violent, yeah. death metal band name, <laughs> just leave that out and just say, hey, I'm in a band. Local... <laughs> will, you add, will you add... Local music event. Yeah, you know, local keep music. Keep it at that. It's, like, good to bring people together or whatever, <laughs> especially especially if there's alcohol or something involved, people, for some reason, you know, will take to that, so... <laughs> yeah. I see. Now, what value do you view business cards, handbills, and posters in today's world 
for musicians to promote your shows and music? Well, I mean, it's, it's just really, again, like, just getting the image out there in people's faces. Like, yeah. and, I, mean, I mean, it's meant yeah. to go hand in hand with social media because as important as a social media presence is, um, I, there is a lot of people are more passive with social media where they kind of just like you'll be scrolling through Facebook kind of mindlessly and not really know what you're doing but as much as people want to say that is the future I think a lot of people just kind of take that for granted you need like you need both things I think yeah <laughs> absolutely still relevant today no yeah you should still says. you should still go out and get it's business just, cards it's more personal too like when you go up to someone and talk to them about your band and then like hand them a business card or a flyer and let them know what's going on instead of like just an anonymous invite from Facebook or something yeah, yeah. that is that is a little awkward when you're just going through your friends list and you're like Hey, person I don't talk to, you know, uh, my <laughs> band is playing. Just, you know, it gets you nowhere. <laughs> On that note, let's take a bit of a break right now sure. and uh, listen to some other uh, local musicians. How about um, Sector 16 from Condition Critical? Woo! Yeah, Condition Love Critical. <laughs> business cards done and when in a band's life should an underground band that has higher expe- that has higher aspirations invest in business cards uh, we go through Vistaprint which is great because um, they're pretty affordable and you get coupons for every time you order and <laughs> I think that business cards are something that you can do before f- from the very beginning that's what one of the things that we really liked about them because before we had I mean our recording still isn't um, done being mastered or anything but it's an it's it was still another way to promote ourselves when we were still trying to get everything together anybody uh have anything to add to to that uh yeah i guess just bands should if you have a band you should just do that as soon as possible just because it's a it's a way of getting your name out there if you don't have any music and it looks professional that too yeah it's a nice touch that is important so i'd say yeah do it do it as soon as you can. Just helps people can pass around a business card too, you know. It's a good investment. Any particular font you'd recommend or just straight wingdings? <laughs> something something clear. 
wing things on oh, the future. Uh, so. yeah. <laughs> if you have a friend who's um, a designer who's familiar with Photoshop and stuff, it's great to mm-hmm. kind of hit him up and ask him to help you design a business card. Because uh, we're actually redesigning our business cards now yeah. with our friend Mark. That's Make definitely look, something to... Make too. them look even more professional. <laughs> That's a very good point, that a band is not not just made up of the guys playing the instruments or singing. It really is a whole group effort, different... Yeah. different um, yeah. It's a skill, team. Different skill sets, like manager to keep you organized and on track, you know, someone who's good, like, you know, computer tech savvy, things like that. Yeah. And you, artists exactly. who are always it's, important, especially in metal. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's a, bi- it's a business. You don't want to, I mean, I don't want to lower to that standard of like cutthroat business but it's like you know you want to kind of have that attitude about it like it's a project everybody involved and you want to be happy with whatever the final product is so it's important now in five years how bright or how bleak do you imagine things will be for unsigned bands when it comes to what opportunities are available and what promotion options exist um I think in terms of unsigned bands, the future uh, is pretty bright. I mean, it, it all just depends on on how you handle your career and like what you want to do with your music and everything. Because for unsigned bands, there are lots of uh, options for like self-promotion and ways to actually make a living on your own that nowadays like you don't need to be signed to a record label to make a living from your music, which is awesome and it's never really happened before. <laughs> Yeah, because no- nowadays you're actually um, a lot of the time just better off not being signed because you don't you're not really this indentured servant to a, a record label. True. Yeah. And everything's pretty accessible where like you can do things yourself and you can access um, like the people like we said the people you need to do everything that you would do if you were signed to a record. Yeah, I mean we don't have to tell oh. you that like uh, there are all these horror stories you find online of <laughs> bands who can't afford the tour or they do these tours like four consecutive tours in a row make absolutely no money people leave bands and stuff so and that's all they're signed to a record label and that's supposed to be kind of like your step into the industry and it's like a massive step backwards for tons of bands and it's it's a shame but now like alternatives exist which is like really awesome yeah crowdfunding is a huge thing now especially for touring it is pretty amazing that for an industry that's been around for so long like it's a real refusal to like evolve at all Zero, because, yeah. yeah, because like I mean, we've we read all this stuff like in in like example contracts and different types of um, like I'm trying to remember specific. Oh, like, yeah, like there's there's little terms our, and agreements and stuff. Yeah, Tell like, me about some of these contracts that you looked at. In all these like legal, well, I never personally looked at any any like physical contracts. We were never offered anything, but uh, I was like looking around on the internet because I I I want to know what things to avoid if we ever get yeah. to that point like where a contract falls on our lap so i i found basically like there's things in contracts where it's so outdated and it's like it's unbelievable that they would uh that a label would kind of force this stuff on a band like there's this thing called breakage fees in, in record on. contracts yeah in breakage fees and it basically it stems back to the days when record labels actually used to distribute vinyl and basically they take 10 percent or more out of the gross income uh of a band's record sales to compensate for any damaged vinyl uh that way they don't have to blame the warehouse or the shipping company or the label or anything and that's taken out of the band's money that they made for the label (laughs) so it's all this ridiculous stuff of how like 
they play with numbers. So like, uh, oops, sorry. Um, there's actually uh, there's this there's this video I found that explains how a band could sell like a million dollars and be in debt to a label for five hundred thousand dollars, and it's all just how they play with numbers and when the our actual royalty is applied. So it's important stuff for a band to know to not just to be, <laughs> be edu- an indentured servant. Be educated as, on yeah. that stuff. Just know because, yeah. like he said, there's all those outdated clauses that still stand to today. Yeah. And it's just you're if you're a band and you're a struggling band and you're and you're just really your goal. I mean, everybody's goal is to make it, obviously. And if you if you put in front of you like to make it is to get the contract or the record deal. You know they don't they don't sit down they don't they don't research they don't read or like you know figure out uh, what yeah. a lot of these things mean, and the fact that the industry and the business has all this money, <laughs> probably probably a little bit less. I mean they want to talk yeah. about you know and a pretty crazy army of lawyers. Yes, yeah, they have a ridiculous the power army. of attorney beyond yeah. all <laughs> belief. But yeah, it's just like that they have. All, all this power, all this money, and and the ones who are it's this middleman, like you know, who's who's collecting the most of the income, and the the actual producer of the product is is getting nothing. Yeah. Well, that's also the the great thing about the internet is now you can cut that middleman out, i.e. the record label. So that middleman is gone with the internet. So you could you can that's how that's how you can make a living as you promote. I mean, it's way more work on your end. Because labels usually take care of that stuff like promotion and distribution and setting up tours and everything, but uh, you can do it if you work hard enough on your own. So. It, it's not just for like the really big names. We all know Nine Inch Nails and Radiohead completely yeah. self-released several albums. Cryptopsy uh, recently. That was Cryptopsy. a good album. Right, and um, yeah, they did a pay what you want type of thing, and everybody said no one's gonna pay anything, and a lot of people didn't, but. <laughs> A lot of people actually did end up, you know, paying a significant amount, and you know, they're they're doing fine. And the great thing about this is now, uh, unsigned bands can get into that, mm-hmm. and really tap into that resource. So yeah, I like Bandcamp. Yeah, things band like camp. yeah, band camp. things like Bandcamp, Kickstarter, all those things are, are great for like you know newer aspiring artists. It's, it's like really just you know you want to try to as much as possible just to cut cut out this middleman because. I think an example of another artist I heard, um, Immortal Technique, the the rapper, <laughs> he he refuses he refuses to to have anything to do with any kind of labels, record company. Where's like, he from? Oh, uh, is he from where? Is he from New York? I, I I always forget, but um, he just self releases everything, keeps all his money, no matter what it is. I mean, the idea is like, I think. Too many, too many people starting bands thinking they're gonna just be stars, and it's like you want to at least aspire to live comfortably doing what you love first and foremost. That's what you should really be in it for. So, pretty much all you really need is somebody to promote your music and somebody to act as a distribution agent. Yeah, essentially. And now there are a bunch of web services where um, you sign up, you upload your your product, your album, or whatever it is, and they'll actually distribute it for you. Uh, at whatever like fee the other places so they'll send it to Spotify, iTunes, so like all those rates are applied, but uh, I mean you only have to pay one time for this web service to distribute your album everywhere, which is cool. Is there any way to say, you know what, I, I don't want to use that anymore and I'm rescinding that? Is that possible or is it kind of like once it's out there, you're doomed? Uh, and there's nothing you can do because <laughs> you already signed this contract, so you yeah. know, they own your soul forever and ever. 
Well, luckily, we didn't do that yet, so I don't know. We need to do more research. To research more, yeah. you know, like before you get involved in it. But, like, there's all the bands over the years since the internet became the big thing are just, like, so, like, adversarial with it. And it's like, why? Why wouldn't you embrace something like this? It's like you, you have a way to just access so many, like, demographics and just get your music so fast everywhere. Yeah. Like, it's all, in, it's in front of everybody. Everybody's on the internet. Everyone's connected now, like, more so than ever before. Yeah. And, like, just the whole, a lot of the big bands are always up in arms over, like, file sharing and things like that. It's like, your, your band is being promoted so, like, aggressively through the through the internet you can get all this material out there so quickly so easily now i don't know why you wouldn't use that instead of just you know being the enemy of it yeah now speaking of selling your soul when are you guys actually <laughs> going to start employing a lawyer um hopefully soon because we need to get on those copyrights, copyrights pretty soon we need trademark, to copyright trademark our logo is, is another thing that trademarking is actually yeah that's that's an important thing to talk about that a lot of bands don't do because that's that's a that's another way that bands can make money that bands like don't utilize how can they make money uh let's say you're a promoter contacts you and they want to put you on a bill for a show and you have your logo trademarked to put your logo on a bill or a flyer or anything, they have to pay you a licensing fee. So there's money in your pocket right there. Typically, what is the average licensing fee for the average um, New I, Jersey band? From what I've read, I, I'm pretty sure that's that's left up to the artist, I think. But, like, it's, it's more research. But, I mean, if they want to book that. you, they'll have to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton of paperwork and stuff. That's why lawyers are definitely needed to go over all the, like, the legal logistics and things like that. Yeah. But like, you know, for once you can turn the tables on the promoters who are always trying to, you know, take money out of you and now it's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> how about this? <laughs> a little fair. I see. Now, what types of goals do you guys have six months down the line? Tour. That's mine. Touring. <laughs> Touring, Touring for sure. Just getting the band like to just greater exposure. Obviously, by then the album <laughs> hopefully yeah. is out. This album really facilitates ev- yeah, like the, everything. The yeah. album just is going to make things, I think, a lot. Well, actually, easier. But you know, to tour, one thing we would need is uh, a new singer. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we'll take the opportunity now. I'm some. Tell people. me about like what you're looking for in a new singer. Well. <laughs> Definitely melodic ability. Yeah. Yeah, in in the vocals. I mean, on the cleaner side, but, you know, still, like, aggressive. I mean, think of a few. Name drop some people that this person should be like. Phil Anselmo from Cowboys from Hell would be a good example, I think, because he had, like, that really melodic points on on that album, but also he could still keep it really aggressive. Or Joey Belladonna, too. Joey Belladonna. Yeah. Joey. Blitz from Overkill is a great example. Bobby Blitz, yeah. A few of the guys who have that the higher mid-range, you know, instead of just the, the growling or the yelling, it's like where you can understand, you know, lyrics a little bit better. And that's why I think we want to go for that because everybody else does that, does the, <laughs> the it's it's cool, some of it, the aggressive yelling and growling, but I, we wanted to go for a little bit of a change there, so. Yeah. Yeah, but our, our singer, our current singer, Roy, wonderful, amazing guy, service in this band has yeah. been just. Uh, we love what he did on the album. He's paralleled compared to previous vocalists but he he's such a talented guy but unfortunately you know a lot of uh 
personal things for him, like career choices yeah. and job situation. Like he's respectfully and cordially, he's going to be heading out. It's there's no hard feelings at all. It was no drama, no crazy thing. Okay, like now that. also, in what radius from where you guys are located would you say you know we're cool with somebody that's maybe ten or fifteen miles outside of where we're located? What is the radius where it's like, you know, you really are amazing and talented, but you just are too far away from me to seriously <laughs> consider you? Well, I know Ron really wants to go to Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> so, we need yeah, to find a Spanish singer. <laughs> there is actually a pretty cool uh, thrash scene out there. Oh, but, uh, I mean, if you want to take a chance to, I don't, they'll never hear this, but there, there's one band who likes us. Uh, from over there, uh, we never knew about the whole scene over there, but it's awesome. People should yeah. check them out. This one band, uh, I was going to wear their shirt. I should have done it. <laughs> this one band called Reek. They are the coolest guys. You know, they befriended us on, on the internet. Another great thing, way for bands to network. So, But yeah. as far as an answer to that question, it's basically if, if they have a car uh, for a new singer, that would be yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Because we had to pick people up. I mean... The radius can be, yeah, as long as they have a car, because we're pretty spread out ourselves. Yeah, that's like, true. I mean, Matt and myself live close to each other. He lives in Fairview. I live in Cliffside Park. But Anthony's from Scotch Plains, and Ron's from Bayonne, so we're already pretty sp- spread out in terms of, like... Maybe 20 miles. Yeah. Speaking as the one that has the car that holds most of the equipment <laughs> and therefore spends the most gas money, I'd say if we had uh, enough time to plan it out ahead... I would say we could go anywhere from Boston to Washington D.C. if we really wanted to. Well, as far as playing shows, but playing, playing yeah, shows. if we were to work, no, singer wouldn't be able to not, go not to that. Obviously, like, not a singer living in Washington. Well, we're not. <laughs> we're not at the point where I think you know once bands are out there on the road and have a little more clout, they can you know find people from all over and bring them in and be like, hey man, you want to stick with us for a little while yeah. see how it goes you want to move from england to join our band <laughs> or a journey style move from the well Philippines. i mean <laughs> the thing is like with, with diamond plate they actually got this singer from florida oh, wow. transplanted him into a chicago metal band and that's, i mean that's awesome interestingly enough nick when we were before in between the um on air and off air i was telling you a story about yeah. when we went to uh, me and Lear went to syracuse as far yeah. as a crazy show adventure uh for the overkill show diamond plate was one of the opening opening bands there yeah, <laughs> during yeah. that fateful evening <laughs> but um we, we saw them it was still i think was their their bass player was the singer i think yeah the old the vocalist time. we saw them yeah the old vocalist and even then i thought you know they were pretty incredible for like a you know a newer a newer band and with with that guy he was doing a great job so i, I actually haven't gotten to listen to him now with the new singer but you know it's really great. Like you yeah. need to hear the cover of Napalm Death. It'll blow you away. Oh, it's they covered Napalm You Death? Suffer by Napalm Death. <laughs> it was amazing. I mean I, I almost feel like they're gonna get a Grammy nomination for that alone. Yeah. That's a tough one, I gotta tell you, man. You we know. tried covering that, we failed horribly. You gotta you gotta watch that point zero zero point zero zero seconds, you know. <laughs> that one arpeggio. Yeah. <laughs> That's I can't weird. believe, like, the Aquarian actually published that. <laughs> like, with the uh, question. Like, I mean, I, I really thought they were going to take that out of the interview, but. <laughs> That's amazing. It's hilarious. Yeah. I, I'm blown away, too. <laughs> but I guess, though, 
where do you guys typically go to to uh, do your practices? That would be Matt's house in Fairview. Yep. Yeah, I got a whole little rehearsal space in my basement. Have to thank my parents for putting up with that. <laughs> uh, where is Fairview? Some a couple towns south of Fort Lee, so yeah. next to North Bergen. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, right yeah, you're Bergen. out there. Yep. <laughs> really near the GW. Yep. Yeah, actually, like maybe a ten minute drive from there. Yeah, same with me. I live like in the. Next so would you say, likely this person you'd want them living near the GW? That'd be nice. <laughs> It'd be nice. I mean, if it it all comes down to I think the talent and the desire to actually want to be a part of our band yeah so that's that's the most important thing if they live a little farther out we wouldn't have a problem if to work something out if like we if that person wants to be a part of our band and we really want that guy so yeah i mean uh roy lives in patterson we uh usually went out of our way to pick him up for, for practices and shows and uh logistically that can take a toll, but it was definitely, <laughs> definitely worth, worth it. it. I mean, yeah. all the shows when that we, we did. When we first heard him and brought him by for his first like audition, yeah, he was just so right for for the band for the music, and that's what everybody said too when they first saw him live with us. So you know, it is with a heavy heart that we had to say he's on his way out. But, but yeah. <laughs> what yeah. what services are you using to publicize that you need another singer? Uh, at the moment, Facebook. <laughs> Have you thought about Craigslist? Craigslist um, is just, it gets just a little sketchy. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. We tried it in the past. Yeah, yeah, we've tried it in the past and we haven't had a good experience. Me, with and, it. me and Lee Art actually a couple of years back were, were really trying to use uh, Craigslist to a pretty good extent. Um, it yielded some results, but in the end it's like, you know, I, I don't understand. People post things about how they're looking for a band and then they never follow through on it so i don't understand the point you know you can post you're looking for this this and that and they contact you and then you know they they just say oh they're not into it or again it's a distance thing yeah so well the thing with diamond plate though like you were saying before how they got their guy from from florida well diamond plate is really well established by now yeah. right yeah so i mean they they can they can get away with that a little bit more you know there's more i guess demand in, in that that aspect yeah and i guess also too um, I believe Eric Records was probably, how you say, somewhat persuasive yeah, in uh, convincing their new singer to join them. That's helpful, yes. Yeah, it's always nice to have, like, a record label, <laughs> like, convince you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It helps. The, the credibility of your band, it's like, oh, they have label backing. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have that, but please join our band. <laughs> What type of label would you want to be approached by? Like, could you name drop a couple? Maybe three to seven? <laughs> nuclear Blast. Nuclear, the big one is Nuclear, nuclear Blast. Nuclear Blast, uh, preferably, I guess, the European-based. Yeah. All our favorite bands are on that one, like Exodus, yeah, uh, Overkill, everybody. Testament. Like, they're all on Nuclear Destruction. Blast. Destruction. Yeah, yeah, Destruction. Everybody's Sodom, Creator. Sodom. Arsis just creator. got signed yeah, recently. Man. So, um, Roadrunner would be... Awesome. Got Although Theater, I don't, they've got they they got Dream Theater. I don't know how I would feel if we were label mates with Nickelback, though. 
I would feel like probably rich. I'd feel like we, <laughs> I would feel rich. Feel like we could retire. <laughs> Say job well done, guys. Let's call it a day. Good one album. Let's retire and then reunite. We're label mates with Nickelback. <laughs> They'll take it from here. What have you heard about Hell's Headbanger Records? Uh, nothing. That's a new new name to me. That's new to us. That's what Speedwolf is on, and I've been reading that Witchhaven wants to get signed on that too. That's more of like. Underground, yeah. black trash, yeah. and yeah. stuff like that, though. Um, uh, well, ear, well, earache would be cool too. I mean, and relapse. They, I know they sign a lot of good bands like Revocations on there. Dying Fetus, Cough. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> as far as like more of the underground stuff, um, yeah. That I mean, I mean, that would be cool to be a- approached by them. It'd just be like, what can you know? What can they do <laughs> to help us? Yeah. And so. you basically, anytime you're approached by a label, it's always important to like just understand everything you're being handed. Read the fine print. So yeah, read the fine print. So like, no matter who comes to us with a, a a record contract or anything, we're gonna take the time to make sure that you know we're not becoming indentured servants. Yeah, don't wanna be. <laughs> I mean, we're skeptical, not paranoid, but skeptical. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah you have to be. Like the the more tools you have, uh, in terms of like having a trademark and copyright and having an album, the more stuff you have like that beforehand, the more, I guess... Empowered uh, the band the, Yeah, is. the more empowered the band is to, and the more able you are to negotiate effectively with a record yeah. label. So, Now, let's listen to another one of your songs. How about Systematic Enslavement or Beyond Boundaries? Hmm. Hmm. I, I would just say Systematic Enslavement of Consciousness because it's shorter. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, this version the, the title is, track. Uh, sans the intro. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't this, have the This intro. also has a, this is the first, this is going to be the first track. That's one that's decided on. It has this yeah. really cool intro part, but it doesn't have this on the rough mix. So what you're hearing are rough mixes, so keep that in mind. Cool well, that. why don't we play systematic and then beyond boundaries? Back to back? Exactly. Sounds sure. good. Take like 20 minutes. <laughs>
What is the furthest distance you guys are logistically willing to drive out to for shows at this moment in time? The Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Definitely Pennsylvania, like Philly, mm. upstate New York. Boston might be like the fringe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bo- Boston down to like D.C. at the moment, I think. It's yep. a good uh, general area. <laughs> So far, everything's been predominantly Jersey and occasionally Staten Island. Yeah, yeah, we got our good friends in Mortalysis who always yeah, uh, they do a monthly metal show. Bootleg Manning, so shout it's out always, to you guys. Always fun. We actually just you played Condition Critical before. We played with them. It was about a month ago, a couple weeks. Yeah, played with them. Uh, Bootleg Manning's was such a good show. So many good bands. Those guys are awesome. Yeah, all of them. They such do nice Mortalysis. Guys. Those guys they do they do They're a awesome. lot, especially Tommy and. Jacqueline, they do a lot to try and set up a scene, which is awesome. Now, I guess, can you tell me, um, what are some of the things that you're doing to not settle for mediocrity? <laughs> uh, no pressure. <laughs> Our, we might be mediocre compared to some bands. I don't know. <laughs> That's really just. Uh, well, with um, with our merch, we like. We like for it to look as yeah. clean and professional as possible. So, for example, with our T-shirts, uh, we had them designed by uh, Ji Hyun Kim, who was um, she's a, she's still a student, but um, like she she has like her designer eye, and so she was able to contribute her, um, I guess, like a more professional opinion to get to create a more professional product, um, as opposed to just doing what we think looks okay and looks cool. Now. How much do you believe in silk screening? <laughs> I mean, if you're really cheap, I guess like or uh, it, it, I mean it depends on how what you can afford. I I mean we like the the professional t-shirts cuz I mean all the shirts I own are either I buy from bands on tour or I get them online, so I want to have a product that's similar to that. So yeah, it was something that we um kind of looked into as an option for what we were doing but at this point um i mean none of us really would know what we we're doing if we we're doing that ourselves yeah that is exactly. so to, to turn out a better product we just went with ordering our shirts yeah from jackprince.com yeah but the thing is if you make your own shirts you do save a lot of money yeah yes. you, you make a lot more money but too because it's, also, that's it's also a big investment to get like the proper um silk screening supplies like you could make your own press like i i did see um, a tutorial when i was doing all the research for this for how to make your own press but um at the time like we just didn't have enough money to make that investment we had but we had enough to order them but maybe like in the future it's something that we definitely probably look into again it's it's really not that difficult once you have the equipment yeah we we just don't know enough but i mean (laughs) let's say when you get around to this how many shirts would you want to print up 50, 100? More along ballpark range of what, like 100? About 100, I'd yeah. say. Because, yeah. I mean, we now, our last order of t-shirts was like, what, around 90 or so? I think it, we had, it was about 70, but it, um, with the shirts that we already had remaining, it oh. came out to, we have like, had about yeah, 90 shirts. Because, I mean, we have, we have it listed through a website online, you know, that people can purchase them, uh, and we bring them to every show, but, you know, not everyone, you know, is interested in purchasing a t-shirt in the given moments so as much as you want to try and promote it so you know you have a lot left over and yeah you don't want to go overboard and have like crazy surplus of anything yeah otherwise you're wasting money (laughs) so 
Okay, now, what other types of merch are you looking to make besides uh, t-shirts? Uh, we did a run of, well, I did a run of, um, I was trying to make some patches, but yeah. that didn't go so well. <laughs> what what, what was the mistake? Insane. The mistake, well, I made, um, I tried different um, processes. I did a stamp, I tried a stencil, and it just was, it was, the lines were just kind of sloppy. Um, I haven't found a way to remedy that yet, but <laughs> we'll just have to keep trying that. Yeah, patches are like the most important patches thing. Are a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> What about buttons? Buttons for buttons. sure. Oh we yeah. Need to do that. Eventually. Another thing that we thought would be interesting for merch was um we noticed that more bands are actually coming out with songs for <laughs> 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 Wow. That's true. Cannibal yeah. Corpse. Like, well, we went to see Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> yeah, and they wow. have uh, awesome lyrics on their on their certain undergarments. Expletive <laughs> deleted song <laughs> on, on their on their undergarments, yes. Yeah. Hmm, that's quality. Mm, definitely. <laughs> I was about to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> I bought several. Yeah. Exodus had one. At the yeah, place. Exodus yeah. had yeah. one. Any, uh, pretty much putting your name on anything you can. <laughs> Kiss style, all the yeah, way. Gene Simmons. But I think definitely uh, buttons and patches are... What about hats? Hats, definitely. I think, yeah, hats are kind of... Um, I know that Ron always likes to wear, like... The thrasher hat. His little thrasher hat, so... Yeah, jerseys, actually. Thank but you. jerseys jerseys are a little bit more money, but I would like yeah. to get some jerseys. Some bands some do that. Yeah. Yeah. Someday we want to have, jersey, like, soccer jersey, dream theater oh, style. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, jerseys, though, that's a real investment. Yeah. 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 That's, 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 that's down the line, but yes. it'd be cool. Someday. <laughs> that's just We're still dreaming. An idea. <laughs> but, um, yeah, pretty much anything that we can really afford to do ourselves right now, because Maka was just actually talking to me before about, you know, you're saying using DIY, but you don't want to use it as an excuse to put out anything mediocre or Yeah, like poor. with the patches, they didn't come out right, so I didn't want to sell those. They look bad. What do you do? <laughs> Donate them to the Salvation Army? <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. I just I actually saved this fabric to use as scrap fabric for the sewing machine. <laughs> That's what I saved it for. Yeah, but um, basically, like we were talking about it before, like even, even recording, you know, if you're going to more or less, you know, do it yourself. You don't want to ever use as an excuse to put out anything of yeah, like you a, still want to do it right. A lower quality recording, merchandise, anything. You know, that's the yeah. It's not a good reason. I mean, you can have your laptop set up, you know, to record something. You know, direct input your guitar or whatever, mm. and record some some drums. It's like okay. I mean, if you're really interested in just doing the the demos and stuff, but. Look for look for a good producer. Look for that. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. They don't have to be attached to a label. You know. Yeah. Yeah, we got we got lucky in that we got an awesome producer for our album. Absolutely. He was the, absolutely the best guy to work with. So. How do you make the acquaintance? Um, it was actually uh, Matt and myself in our in our senior year of high school when we were in a in another band with some friends. Uh, the singer of that band wanted to record this song that he wrote. We and um, that's where I met him because we recorded with this guy and then. He, uh, I was wearing a Nevermore shirt at the time, and he was like, hey, man, cool shirt. And, <laughs> and I was like, sweet. Um, and then once I got my, once I got the metal band together... Um, I think that's how we all met each other, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's how metal people meet. <laughs> t-shirts. Like, hey, man, cool shirt. Um, yeah. But then, uh, yeah, then down the road, fast forward like three years, he did an awesome job. We recorded in an attic, and he was like, incredibly talented at making it sound like it was at a decent studio <laughs> so uh he was the first guy in my mind like to ask to do this and 
uh, now that uh, the product is amazing because we recorded in an actual studio, so we're we're super happy with the work he did. Yeah, want to tell, that, tell that audience what that original recording was that you did? <laughs> with, it with was that old uh, it was like emo music, basically. Matt and I wore hard. eyeliner, dresses. Ha! Uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> Exposed. <laughs> yeah. There was like in high school, there was like no one for me to start a metal band with, so I had to settle because I just wanted to play in a band. Yeah. So, same thing for you Matt. Just flooded our Facebook page with uh, rants of poser, poser. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> That's what works yeah. when finding yeah. new bandmates, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Guys, we're posers. Join our band. <laughs> Be just like us. You're a poser. We're posers. It works great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mikhail. Yeah, is, a, is a is a magician. <laughs> yeah, he's a mastermind. <laughs> yeah, with but, with this stuff. Uh, I mean, like Matt mentioned earlier, you know, certain takes in the studio that we'd be like, "Oh, we're not satisfied with that." He's like, "Nah, man, I can I can make that sound great." So it's like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So. Okay, I guess pretty much finishing things up. Um, when do you expect, timeline wise, to have a new singer? We have, uh, so far, since we made the announcement, about three people have uh, either contacted us or we've just made, you know, contact with them Mm -hmm. uh, who are interested. You know, they have some of the scratch tracks, not scratch tracks, rough rough mixes or whatever to go by. And, um, you know, they're working on that. And we're we're looking to maybe get, like, what, ten people lined up just so we can really weigh our options there. Yeah. Um, And uh, see with each audition how it goes and who suits us best or not and we're, we're hoping what next month yeah hopefully i mean yeah next month it would be but as as soon as possible <laughs> to be honest yeah we're not I mean, we're not just gonna wait around and and make a slow process looking for somebody take yeah. like a year doing that yeah we definitely want to find the right guy so hopefully that person comes forward quickly <laughs> now what is all your social media tags like facebook twitter reverb nation your actual (laughs) website well we have our website's not yeah our website's not uh ready yet but we do have a post up right now at the moment that has like the links to everything and that would be uh xenophileband.com where our website's going to be set up it's it's not like it's still rough it's (laughs) isn't it like an old lady or something saying this isn't ready yet (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's That's our website if you go to the but then you have the link to the facebook and youtube and our twitter there primarily operating but in the future like that's where you'll find us in xenophileband.com we got instagram that's there's an instagram too which is xenophile most of our stuff is xenophile nj yeah everything so facebook.com slash xenophile nj we have everything we we operate our merchandise through etsy etsy yep etsy.com That's the way how we sell our stuff. Yep, (laughs) Zeno merch, (laughs) Zeno everything. So it's a brand. (laughs) And finally, what are some upcoming shows you want to publicize? We're working right now on. um, We're working on getting a show together for November twenty third. Is it? Yeah, November twenty third. Unless um, we end up changing that date, but right now it's yeah, because we're trying to we're trying to get some. A more it's, local, of, it's a more local show. One of the shows that we're organizing, we haven't done that in a long time, but it's one that we're kind of organizing. We're looking for other bands. It's a whiskey. A Pete's. place called Whiskey Pete's. It's a bar in Cliffside, Cliffside Park. Park. 
which is so, way closer than some of the other venues that we've gone yeah, to. Yeah, for so. real. To our base in Fairview. We got that one. Um, we might have our friends uh, make them remember. Join us there. If they maybe, can do it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Mortar. Yeah, we're still back. Maybe Mortar. They're also from great. Union City. Yeah, great death metal band from Union City. Both both bands full of great great guys, great musicians. Hmm. Um, also, after that, December, we're, we're kind of looking at a... December 20th, we have 20th, a show at Dingbats. A Dingbats show. It's a Christmas like a show. Christmas show or something. <laughs> Sweet. Christmas metal. Very appropriate. Yeah. Going to be doing Twisted Sister cover. A Twisted Christmas. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what we got on uh, going on. We're looking, keeping an eye out for anything else that might come our way. There's some maybe potential other things but yeah, we're not gonna potentially we'll have like an album release party but something the details like of that, that eventually <laughs> it's it's all to TBA. be, to be yeah, announced, to be yeah. announced. Yeah. Yep. not available currently <laughs> so yeah that's that's it any final words <clears throat> um want to mention those bands again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean shout out to our friends in condition critical mortalysis paralysis uh, mortar, make Rhyming. them remember. <laughs> um, am I forgetting anyone? Reek, Reek our friends from Spain, Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, Sick Minds, Antistasis, Zero Gravity, Zero Gravity, yeah. absolutely. Eels of Love, Eels yeah. of Love. You gotta give them some credit. Because there's, there's not much to work with these days in the Jersey scene, like this area. But <laughs> yeah. there really isn't. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of greedy promoters but, in but, this area. But I mean, <laughs> what for what bands are left? That, like those guys, all those bands. You know, they're really sincere dudes, and and um, you know, they help us out, and we try to help them out with anything, getting them shows, or them getting us shows. So it's it's it feels communal, and yeah, that's, that's really what a makes good thing. Yeah. That's what we that we're building with these bands. That's what we want. Ideally, so I mean, other than that, I don't. <laughs> other than that, uh, stay stay tuned on more info on when the album's coming out, and uh, currently being mixed and mastered. Yeah, and if you don't have a shirt, please pick one up. Okay, Facebook.com/slash/cinephile.nj. Yep. yep, and that's how that's what we're operating out of right now. So, thanks a lot for listening in.